morning show. Final hour of the week. Brent Gunning, Ailish Forfar here. Long weekend looming. That's right, looming. Now nah, looming, looming yeah. is threatening. That's true. Well, the basking is in the distance. Traffic basking is threatening. in the distance. The uh, the long weekend. Who's there. on the 401 right now or the 400? Let me know how the northbound lanes are looking. Okay. Uh, I would also be curious about westbound lanes okay. on the Gardner and or 401. So if you could send that in and how the DVP northbound I is looking, because I, I can tell you that's a traffic I jam. I suppose I could just open the door and ask our friends at City News 680. They would have some insight They on probably that. literally just gave that information coming into here. Yeah, probably. So we can recircle. We were too listen. busy. We were too busy. We were too busy uh, yapping, yapping. Yeah, but we, uh, we got... Putting some miles on the cars this weekend, so a little bit of traffic situation mm-hmm. update would be nice. Blue Jays are uh, putting some miles as well. They're have you off. been to Colorado? I have not. Looks beautiful. You know I'd what? I've, I don't know if it's exactly in Colorado, but there's that Red Rocks concert venue. Have you seen oh this? Oh my it's god! The, yes, of course. It's like legendary. I feel like it's more Utah than Colorado. Um, it's Maybe uh, I'm wrong it's in Colorado. That. It is in Colorado. That is a. I'm not even a huge concert guy. That is definitely something yeah, I would love to check off my Definitely uh, my want list. to as well. All right, we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> not now, because we have Bill Ripken, former MLB infielder and current MLB network analyst. And this insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Bill, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. How's everything? Doing well, doing well. We're uh, we're for the two of us, we're one hour away from a long weekend, so we're really, really good, Bill. <laughs> uh, you know, we want to uh, we wanted to get you on to talk about many things in baseball. Obviously, the the biggest story of the day is the waiver activity yesterday, and I guess just kind of first blush, if I could just get your thought on it. You know, this is something we don't often see. Obviously, there was the waiver and non waiver trade deadlines in the past with just the one deadline. Uh, this is different. I can't remember seeing something like this this many players this many quality players going to playoff teams it's uh it's it's kind of a strange day in baseball yesterday a bit eh, bill it, it, it is a little bit strange and here's the thing when when things happen like first and this is kind of one that you talked about i try not to get too knee-jerk reaction over it and kind of let it play out but my my initial knee-jerk reaction was um, since the CBA and they negotiated a little bit ago the, the one trade deadline, uh, I probably, with a lot of others, were under the assumption this is a one trade deadline. And once the deadline passes, it's done. And then you see this thing unfold, and there's a little bit of a loophole where this seemed like it was a secondary way to add some some people to your playoff roster. So my initial, initial knee-jerk reaction was, uh, damn, I don't quite understand that. And there is something that feels a little bit iffy uh, to it, but I want to see this thing play out and, and see what happens to address it because sometimes things are unforeseen and then sometimes you can make a little tweak to it, make an adjustment. So let's just see it play out a little bit. But my first reaction was it's a little strange. Yeah, it feels like a little bad business, but technically legal. So if you can work around, the, you said not cheat to win, but you got to move the boundaries a little bit to, to get somewhere. But let's talk about the players that Cleveland got, because Cleveland went for it. Um, a team that's been below 500 for a little while, but they're only five games back from the Minnesota Twins. They just played the Twins and took two or three from them. So kind of a little bit of a slap in the face if you're the Twins, seeing Cleveland go for it. Giolito Moore and Lopez from the Angels. Uh, they're definitely a better team because 
because of this, but is it enough to, to close the gap and really make a run for it? Well, I don't know if it's it's completely enough because I think Minnesota is pretty talented, and I think Cleveland has done a little bit of underachieving from what you know we all probably thought they were to begin the year. But you're adding people to to a squad that it certainly changed the dynamics. And Cleveland's the type of team where I think they did it last year. They can hover around 500 for a long period of time, and then if they go seven and three and eight and two over a 10-game period and a 10-game period, next thing you know, they just picked up 10 games over 500, you know, like that. And I believe that they're used to playing uh, tight games. They're used to winning some tight games historically. And I think when you add three arms uh, into your mix that Terry Francona can use and use at his uh, discretion, uh, it certainly made them better. Um, you know, over overcoming a little bit of a gap that there is, you know, remains to be seen, but they certainly got a little bit better. Do you think the fact that Terry Francona is kind of pondering, quietly mentioning retirement, but not fully had anything to do with pushing the chips in the middle and, and making one big swing for the fences? You, you know, I think you could make that story, write that story. If it was a Hollywood movie, um, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked with Terry kind of lingering in that mode. If Cleveland made the playoffs and they made this little run, I don't necessarily look at them as a World Series-type team, but Terry Francona has been in this game a long time. I think he's done a great uh, job at being a manager of men, and I think that's the best thing that he does is the, the group of dudes that he gets in the clubhouse year in and year out absolutely love playing for him, and they go out there and play hard every night. And I think that's your biggest uh, attribute or the biggest sign of respect a team can give a manager, and I think Terry, no matter where he's been, he's had that. Uh, I think that this type of a situation, being fresh and new and what the Angels kind of unloaded uh, some of their people, I think Cleveland, no matter if uh, another manager was in there, would probably look at this as a baseball way and say, you know what, that ain't going to cost us that much when it comes to one month's salary with these three guys. We'll, we'll try to make a push here and make a move for it. But I think the world of Terry Francona, and if that had anything to do with the decision-making by Cleveland, good for them. Fan Morning Show with Brent Nalish talking to Bill Ripken, former MLB inf- infielder and current MLB network analyst. You know, looking at the NL, seems like there's a pretty clear pecking order there. I mean, you're, you're seeing the two best teams duke it out there right now with the, with the Dodgers and Braves. They had that electric game last night. The AL seems like so much more of a, a toss-up, a crapshoot. I mean, I can make the case for or against just about any team in playoff position. Who to you is the most dangerous team in, in the American League? Well, I, I tell you what, I, I used to watch enough wrestling. I went through Charlotte, North Carolina, and double A with the NWA, and Rick Flair was in there, and his comment was, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I look at the Houston Astros, and I, I, I believe I should give them the respect, and other people should as well. You know, Trash Can Gate happened in 2017. They won the World Series. But 2018, 2019, 2020, 21, 22 – Five-year period, they were the best team in the American League, second-best record in all of baseball during that time, only behind the Dodgers. And when I look at a team like that, uh, you know, the addition to Verlander coming into the mix back home, if you will, uh, Framber's throwing the ball well again, they've got some stuff. You know, Jordan Alvarez up at home plate, 
I think is probably as good as anybody in the game. If you just said, okay, game's on the line, who do you want? I might be able to make a case for him just watching what he did in the World Series last year when lefties come in to get him out, lefties with good stuff, and he destroyed both of them. So uh, you look at Houston for me, and I think they're the most dangerous, and they they deserve the respect. And I'm going to go out there in a little bit of a sleeper pick t- uh, to a degree, not because they're winning the East, you know, as a sleeper, but the Orioles. Mm-hmm. If if they get a bye, if they hold on, win the division, and get a bye, you got to win two series, right, to get to the World Series. And I think they've proven over this 162 so far they can beat anybody and and win a series. So. They're a dangerous team right now. I don't know if the pitching is going to completely line up with maybe like a Houston, but these young boys in Baltimore right now are playing it and they're feeling it, and it's it's a pretty fun team to watch. But Houston's my my pick. Uh, until somebody knocks them off, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with them. Yeah, trust me, we've been watching a lot of Baltimore Orioles uh, and, and kind of quietly admiring them, uh, but also feeling frustrated because they've taken a little bit of the shine off what we thought the Blue Jays would be at one point. Uh, but this Blue Jays team, you know, they've they've underperformed in a sense, but they're still within grasp. They got the Rockies, the Athletic, and the Royals in the next three series, three of the, the worst teams in baseball, to put it lightly. Uh, looks like they're going to need 90 to 92 wins to get to uh, the wild card of the playoffs. Um, do you think that this is coming at the perfect time can they get some momentum in these three series maybe go seven and two come back play the texas rangers which we'll get to because that's a big series and maybe make this month uh something to really hold on tight and and see if they can make it to the wild card well you would certainly hope they could um look preseason and i'm also a person when i make my preseason picks um i good or bad i stick with the idea i had the blue jays playing the padres uh, so the second team, I'm kind of writing off uh, at this point in time in the World Series. But the Blue Jays have always liked them. And if you look at this team, um, if our offense can get going a little bit, because that's the reason why I like them. I like these young boys up at home plate doing their thing and, and putting some runs up on the board. But their pitching has really come into to focus because the only reason they're still in this is because of the pitching, and that's fun to watch. So if you think about the Jays, look, Vlad Jr., I know there's other people that have to do things. i got to get him a little bit more productive and, and, and doing things that we all know he can do because he's certainly capable, and there's some signs that, that look that way. So I, I like the Blue Jays team. Um, I don't think that uh, any of us saw what the Orioles are doing in the American League East. And, you know, the the difference between, I think, where the Blue Jays are compared to where the Orioles are is the American League East itself. I don't think the Blue Jays matched up. I know they didn't match up with the Orioles well this year. And I think the rest of the American League East, you know, they took their lumps. So uh, the Baltimore team's doing some stuff that's great. The Blue Jays, I'm I'm not uh, doubting on them. And I even think they could be the type of team where you don't need that first buy because when those boys get kind of right and they're feeling it, you can go ahead and wild card in and you might be able to run the table. And a lot of it's going to have to do with that pitching staff that's going out there on the bump and hope your offense scratches out enough for you to to get a W. 
Yeah, that's exactly the way it's been. Uh, we have we have spent uh, every game that Vladdy gets a knock or two trying to turn it into. Maybe this is the one that, that wakes him up. We keep <laughs> waiting for it to happen because you're right. I mean, not to put it all on one guy, but if you get kind of expected production from him, it's certainly a different season for, for the Jays. I don't want to make this about the Blue Jays, but about any team in general. If I can tell you, you can have a lights-out rotation, a lights-out bullpen, or a lineup that just rakes heading into the postseason, which of those gives you the most confidence in a group? Is it? Do you feel better about a team that has a loaded rotation, loaded pen, or a, a loaded lineup? Which benefits you the most heading into the postseason? I want the loaded rotation um, because if you give me a loaded rotation, one, my bullpen should be better because I have a loaded rotation, I can use my bullpen uh, the way I want to and not the way I have to. There's a difference there. And let's go back to the, um, you know, Nationals winning the World Series. When you had Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin, um, you know, they were alternating a little bit on who's coming out of the pen. Um, you can't do that with a loaded uh, bullpen. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get length. I'm not stretching out Mariano Rivera back in the day and giving me four innings. Uh, I got a lockdown dude at the end. Yeah, I get it. But if if I can mix and match my starters a little bit and have that flexibility with these off days in the postseason to be able to use a starter for three innings out of the pen, I like that. So when I look at the Nationals, we can also go back to the Giants' last one when Bumgarner comes out the gate in Kansas City as a reliever and gives them the what the final five, final four innings. Um, I want starters. I want horses. And when I have the horses, I'm putting a saddle on them and I'm going to ride them and I'm going to use them. Yeehaw! I love that, Bill. Stole the words right in my mouth. I was going to say that too. I'm just. Uh, I'm starting to draw a little bit of comparison though with this Blue Jays team. I think one of the best starting rotations in baseball. I don't know who you would put above it, but maybe a top two, three, and then that bullpen. I mean, is even going to hopefully get a little better. Chad Green's supposed to make his debut this weekend uh, with the Blue Jays after a return from Tommy John. But you look at the the rotation and the pitching staff that the Blue Jays have. You th- where do you put that in terms of uh, the level? of confidence when you look across the entire MLB like I think we're pretty high on it we're saying top top two in baseball is that how you see it in a little bit of a different national perspective I think you can probably group them in the three spot or or in the three top three spot um to me I always looked at when I look at the the starters and I would go back to my thinking days as a player and I'm going okay I'm a right-hand hitter um coming in who, who would I least likely want to just jump in there with? Who, who am I not running up there to home plate on it is kind of what my thought process is. And the three that I talk about, because certainly the Blue Jays are in conversation. Um, Seattle, for me, is in conversation. I think they might be the team that I would least like to face. Um, I, I'm not sure I had that many strengths at home plate, but I know what I did do well. And I don't think I would like running up against Seattle's boys at all. Um, And the other one in the conversation is Milwaukee. Um, But I think that you guys, and with Bassett's outing the other day, Mm -hmm. that dude, he's just an animal. I mean, he goes out there on the bump. There's, There's part of him that's talent. There's part of him that's stuff. And there's part of him that's will. And I like all three things. That, that go into it. But I think your guys' conversation, um, you're in the top uh, thought process. 
but I, I got to put Seattle and, and Milwaukee in that same conversation and say, okay, let's just pull a card out of the hat. And we, we, we don't even have to debate anymore. Let Lady Luck take care of it with the card trick. Yeah, you mentioned Bassett there. It puts in perspective just how nails the Jays' rotation has been. That, And uh, I want to be clear, they have to get to the playoffs for this to be an actual conversation. But when we're putting together a wild card rotation, he's not a part of it. I mean, he's clearly been the fourth best Jays starter. And a lot of teams would take that as their third or second best starter, quite quite honestly. Uh, I do want to ask you about the, the series we're seeing in the National League this week. Dodgers and Braves. You know, baseball's a weird game. You can't always have these measuring stick series. Sometimes your guy just doesn't have it. Sometimes the other team does, but uh, an 8-7 win for the Braves last night. Acuna with the grand slam. He's the first guy in history to go 30-60. Uh, just a, an incredible display of baseball out there, and it's it's really awesome to get to see these teams go head-to-head this close to the postseason. Uh, two really good teams. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, but I, I actually think the Blue Jays, right? I mean, not the Blue Jays, the, the Braves are kind of the, the the top of the food chain. I wish you said when Blue you're Jays. looking at a team right now <laughs> and an organization, and it, it's pretty impressive. It, it really is. Uh, we played a little game on our morning show at the network yesterday. Lawrence Jotty was asking us, you know, okay, rotation, bullpen, intangibles, offense, and we were supposed to stand by the logo of the team, and I didn't move. Every category she came up with, I stood on the Braves' side, and I'm not saying it's a landslide. I'm just thinking the Braves are an overall better team in almost every way. And now that's not to say that the Dodgers can't win these next two. It's not to say the Dodgers can't beat them in a postseason series because I believe they can. But when you look at this lineup and you mentioned Acuna Jr. doing his thing, the lineup for the Braves, it doesn't stop. And I would take the top two, even with Acuna's year of Betts and Freeman, over Acuna and Olsen. Like if you just wanted to give mm-hmm. me two and who I was going to go to war with, I'm taking Betts and Freeman, almost probably over any other two people in the game right now. But everybody else in the Dodgers group, I think, can be pitched to. But with that said, if you hang a slider and there's two men on, it could be a three-run field goal up there on the board real quick. But I think the Dodgers can be pitched to a little bit easier than, than the Braves can. But it's, it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to see how that series unfolded or, or how it started shall we say, and the fact that the Dodgers kept clawing back into it and almost got there at the end, that too is impressive. So it's it's going to be a fun one to watch, but these are the best two teams in the National League. I don't think there's a question, but the Braves for me right now, they're, they're the top of the food chain until somebody knocks them off. Yeah, and I mean, you throw in what they have at the front of that rotation with Strider. I mean, you can make the argument he's the most dangerous starter in, in all of baseball. And, you know, I know this is a weird thing to ask you after we've just gushed about the guy for five minutes, but does Acuna Jr. get enough credit, enough praise for the player he is? I mean, we're so focused all the time, and maybe this is just me being in an American League city, but on Shohei Mania and what he is, and not to take anything away from Shohei, and obviously the two-way stuff is incredible, but it feels like because of what he is, we don't necessarily wholly appreciate just how special this season is from Acuna Jr. You know, Mookie Betts, maybe it's because of the markets he's played in. He seems to have that kind of respect or the way he's talked about across the league, but I don't know that Acuna Jr.'s quite there yet. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Does it feel like his season's maybe being a touch underplayed, not so much in the sport, but in the, the kind of national conversation? 
I think that's a little bit of human nature because we see Acuna Jr. from time to time hit a ball off the right center field wall and stand at first base because he thought it was out and was kind of <laughs> celebrating and doing his thing. And I think that's just the human nature part of it. Um, when you're ranking players and you're looking at the players that are at the top of the food chain, I know where I sit, and it is my human nature. Um, if you give me Freddie Freeman all day long, I don't think we've ever heard of Freddie Freeman doing anything iffy. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even questionable, part, part questionable. Um, and goes out there and just does his job and, by the way, plays 162 games uh, a year, which is pretty impressive. But, you know, you mentioned Otani. I think he's in a different universe being able to do both of those things like he can. Um, Obviously, one of those things has gone away for a little bit, that's for sure. But that's a different animal altogether. But if you're looking at the pure baseball skill set, of Acuna Jr. There's not too many people that have played the game, a period, that have or had what this guy has. The ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark in all parts, the the speed, he can play D, he can throw. I mean, he's got everything that you could possibly want out of a baseball player. And, yes, maybe he's not talked about on that national you know, level as much as he should be. But once again, I think that's just because there's still some snapshots in our minds hitting the ball off the wall and he's at first base because when you run like he can run, you don't even have to hit the ball off the wall and you can be on second base. So there, there's some issues. He's a young kid. There has been some issues with some of the things going on. But his skill set, I don't know of a player. I mean, you just mentioned he's the first 30, 60 guy. So there hasn't been a player to do that before. So I'm not wrong in saying uh, you're really not going to be able to compare him skill set wise to a lot of people that have played this game ever. Yeah, he truly is a a one one, and baseball is lucky to have him. And the fact that uh, you know he's just he's just part of the conversation kind of highlights what a great era for the game it is. Uh, Bill, really, really appreciate the chat. Thanks so much for jumping on with us. All right, guys, get your Blue Jays going now. There you go. It's Bill Ripkin, former MLB infielder and current MLB network analyst. That insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Saying great things about our great Canadian, Freddie Freeman. That's what I was going to say. You know, the reason that he's such a good guy is he's partially Canadian. That's right. So that just runs in the, runs shows in up, the blood. Shows up for us more than Joey Votto does, that's for sure. Ooh. Yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there because we should never not talk about that. So. I think that's right. Uh, if you missed it at the beginning of our <laughs> <Yeah>. show. <laughs> just go think about all the things we've said about Andrew Wiggins not showing up and then uh, compare them to what we say about <laughs> Joey Votto. Hmm. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., of course, we mentioned it. Uh, that was like a, a pretty incredible game last night. If you get a chance to watch this, two NL MVP contenders going head-to-head this weekend. An NLCS matchup that we'll potentially see, but Acuna got married in the morning mm-hmm. and then performed that way. Grand slam. Last night, uh, maybe something in the the nuptials. Yeah. Softened the bang on the wedding night, and he had one in the game last night, so there you go. <laughs> Alvin Williams is going to come in studio in about five minutes to chat with us about Canada's game today against Brazil at the FIBA World Cup, a perfect 3-0 and start to uh, the, the tournament, but it all gets a little bit more important now. We saw... 
What was the update on this game? Um, oh, uh, yeah. Brazil, uh, Spain and Latvia. Latvia won, yes, you told so me. Latvia yes, Latvia won, um, which is a bit shocking. So interesting things are happening in this group. Uh, Canada, if they just win games, will be fine. Puerto but, Rico leading Dominican Republic at okay. 19-12 in the second That's quarter right too. now. Yes, it is. Uh, lots of basketball going on. Uh, we'll tee it up with Alvin Williams. Canada's 19.5 point favorites against Brazil, but... You can't count anyone out. This is where it gets really interesting. Um, send in your wake and rake picks as well at 595.90. We'll put together a parlay after we chat with Alvin Williams after the break. Your daily dose of everything NFL. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, the final 30 minutes on the Fan Morning Show before a long weekend, before we send you to watch some FIBA basketball. Canada tip off at 9.30 against Brazil. They're pretty heavy favorites, but anything could happen in this tournament, as we just saw. Uh, lots of upsets and lots of good basketball will be played. Let's chat with Alvin Williams, former NBA guard and current Sportsnet color analyst here in studio. It's been a treat this week because we've had some in-studio guests. Very so we nice. appreciate you coming in. How's it going? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course. You just walked right up from downstairs um, and where Dan Schulman is. And he's also, as yeah. you mentioned, you guys are grinding it he's out. He's caffeinated, I heard. Yeah. <laughs> a little we bit. Have, we should have been, brought you coffee as a no, guest. No, thank you. Okay, you're not no, a coffee guy? You. Nope. Not at all. What? what? What's going how, on? What's in your system? Yeah. I don't, just, uh, maybe life, that's, eh? that's how. I, I've never had it. I mean, wow. I've had it, but I'm not a drinker of it. Wow. Wow. Once you're like, this is the problem with the morning show. It's like, I've had two already, and I'm like, I need another we one. Don't, <laughs> you don't want to talk about my coffee consumption. It's uh, it's a lot. Yeah, we don't need to go there. That, I respect it. I respect it. I guess maybe you just, you don't even know you don't need it. Yeah, uh, so I appreciate exactly. that. So uh, three and no starts for Canada at this tournament. You can't ask for anything better. Um, obviously, it gets a lot more interesting now. Harder opponents uh, with bigger implications. But when you see the way Canada started this tournament, I just, I guess there's a lot of pride and there's a lot of uh, excitement around the Canadian team. I think fans are looking that haven't really been introduced to this team as much, but I, I guess it must be exciting for you to be covering this and to see what Canada has been up to. Just an incredible start. No, it's been an incredible start mm -hmm. with me not having much experience in the international play, mm -hmm. watching it. I've never played it. Mm -hmm. Um, just the idea. I remember being a kid, always wanting to play for my country. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as you get older, you see that's, that's not really reality. When <laughs> you got a tough country to when, play for, when, man. When yeah. Kobe and all these guys. So, But um, you, you you feel proud for those guys. Mm -hmm. You know, they made a commitment, yep. and they're sticking to it. And once you have that that ultimate goal is to win mm -hmm. and win for something much bigger than you and not just a paycheck yeah, and yeah. whatever the case may be, like you got to take your hat off, and it's something exciting. And it, feel, it gives me that feel of like, college again like mm -hmm. you're playing for a university you're not playing for to go to them you're playing for a university it's a lot of intensity behind it so it, it's fun to watch and it's fun to call we just need dylan brooks slapping the floor now like he's uh like he's <laughs> playing for duke but honestly when i think of canada in this tournament obviously shea is far and away the story and that's mm -hmm. not surprising anyone who follows this game cares about this game but dylan brooks has been the guy i have most enjoyed watching i mean we go back to the first game against france he throws a poster on rudy gobert he's just playing lockdown d then the game against Latvia, a little hairier, gets into foul trouble there. But, you know, when you talk about that, the idea of pride and playing for something more than yourself, it feels like Dylan Brooks' game is just perfectly situated for that. Yeah, because there's a lot of emotion behind mm -hmm. it. And you watch the other teams and you watch the coaches, 
it's a sense of urgency. And you don't see that a lot in the NBA until the postseason. Yep. And you're ready, people playing for the playoffs and championship. But when you have that attitude like a Dylan Brooks, you know, the Canada was struggling mm-hmm. to score the basketball against France. And it was Dylan Brooks that dunked it on who? Rudy Gobert, yeah. defensive player of the year. Loved you know, it. just And then the next one was a, a loose ball that he hustled down and got mm-hmm. another slam dunk. So he got the team off the snide. So emotionally, he's there. And when you have a player like that, whether they're on the floor or not, of course, you want them on the floor. That emotion and that piece of that drives that team is very much needed. Not that he needs a redemption story, but Dylan Brooks obviously had uh, maybe less than favorable conversations about him last season. You know, it was Dylan Brooks. It was Dylan Brooks the villain. But maybe this is an opportunity for, like, Canada to kind of fall in love with him a bit. Maybe it's a chance for us to see what it means for him to play with that level of pride. And I guess you want him on your team rather yes. than on another team. It, I think we're kind of seeing that. We're falling in love with Classic him Classic hockey pest, Amish. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But maybe it's a little bit of a, a narrative for him coming in that if he channels this in the right way, people will understand what it's like to play the Dylan Brooks style. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you know what? I I feel like he does it the right way. I mm-hmm. feel like you mentioned it. Like, if you're playing with him, you love him. If yeah. you're playing against him, that's what you want. There's a lot of friendly basketball. There's a lot of friendly relationships, but sometimes it's, it's needed when you have a Dylan Brooks, and the narrative is going to be there, but I've never heard anything about him off the court. Mm. I've never heard any locker room issues. Yep. I've never heard any of those things. I think in this situation with Memphis, Memphis had other people, as we know, yeah. that brought – a negative Just light a bit, to the eh? organization. <laughs> so now, guess what? I'm going to cut hairs. Yeah. I can't get rid of him. <laughs> so everyone else. So I think I love what Dylan Brooks, he could, I, if I was a president of a team or yeah. a coach of a team, I would have him on my team all day. It's okay. I can just look forward to uh, hopefully a game against America in this tournament because that generally yeah. speaking means Canada's yeah. done pretty well. And I could just picture Dylan Brooks talking crazy, saying, "Oh, you wish you had LeBron here. You're going to need him." I <laughs> talk crazy about him in the playoffs. I'll, I'll do it again. You know, uh, just looking at other guys on this team. You know, uh, not Shea, but his cousin, Nikhil Alexander Walker, is massive in that game. You know, this is a guy who, when we talk about players who can have a bit of a coming out from this tournament, he feels like the perfect example. Because again, if you're watching playoffs last year, you see what he's capable yes. of doing but playing for a Pelicans team doesn't get a ton of shine. There's other big names on there. It just seems like he's having a bit of a moment here, and you see how important a kind of glue guy like him is to Canada. No, it is, and you hit right on it, like a coming out party. Mm -hmm. When you get the world to recognize you and you get your organization to recognize you, he signed a new contract, and, you know, he's somebody that I've always looked at as someone who likes to score, but Mm -hmm. he's showing he's playing the point guard position. He's alleviating some of the pressure for Shea, and he's making good passes. He's shooting like 46% from three, so yeah. he's the one constant player from shooting from the perimeter. Defensively, he's getting out there, and you can just tell now Jordy is confident in him, and he trusts him, and he puts him in a game in different moments. So he's just growing and growing, so it's great to see. Is Canada's depth surprising to you a little bit? I mean, we came in, Jamal Murray, okay, not there. Shea, Shea's going to be the best player in this tournament, arguably one, two. But I feel like we've seen at the coming out party, but the sharing of the load, like these games have been blowouts, but you've been able to see different players get an opportunity. And I think Jordy Fernandez has pushed the right buttons and he's given people an opportunity to make a name for themselves. Is depth going to be one of the ways and defense that Canada wins a lot of meaningful games at this tournament? No, always. I mm-hmm. feel like when you're trying to play at a high level and win at a high level, you need every element. Yeah. You need the depth. You need the size. You need the shooting. You need the togetherness. You need all of the, you need the coaching. So depth is something. And, you still have a lot of players. You just think about Canada mm-hmm. just not playing. That Just imagine. <laughs> but when you have that chemistry, that's the thing. And you know your roles. And guys are coming in. They understand their roles. I love 
the makeup of the team when you have someone like a Phil Scrub or a Melvin Edgem, mm -hmm. and then you have a Shea. So you have people that have a lot of experience, may not be on that NBA level as far as talent or whatever, but they have experience in FIBA and international play. And now you can talk the younger players through it. You can, as you see against Latvia, you know, Coach Jordy Fernandez, he went straight to the bench yep. and got those guys yep. in, and they got themselves back in the game. And what else? It, it, it sent a message to your stars. Yeah. Like, we're not we're not messing around. Mm -hmm. You're going to be held accountable, and if you don't play the way we need you to play, you're going to have a seat. So I think that those elements for a team, so the depth is great, and just more importantly, the the role definitions are even more important. Fan Morning Show, Brent Nalish joined in studio by Alvin Williams, and you can see him on your TV calling uh, Canada and uh, uh, Brazil at 9.30 this morning. You know, you, you talking about the roles on the team and everything just kind of fitting cleanly Obviously, you'd want Jamal Murray here. If you had a choice to have him, I'd take him. <laughs> but it makes everything a little cleaner, doesn't it? That it is just so clear in day, Shea's team. And I'm not saying those guys would have any issue sharing the ball or sharing the court. But for a team that is just kind of figuring things out, they had a new coach named, what, two months before this tournament here. It feels like just having Shea there is the clear lead dog on this team. It just makes everything kind of, it allows everything to fall in line a little easier. And again, like you would obviously want to have yeah. Jamal Murray on this yeah. team. But do you think it just allows the roles to be a little more defined without him here. I mean, it does. But uh, once again, I think the personalities and mm -hmm. I think everyone's agenda and goal, Yeah, it, it, it will take time for, for you to adjust your game. Like it's taking time for Shade to adjust his game. And a lot of times it's that third quarter. Mm -hmm. And he's realizing that he has to be better. And I think what he's realizing also in talking about Shea is I'm the best player on a team that's winning. Mm -hmm. And we, we haven't seen him get to that winning level different, yet. Yeah. It's different. So your responsibilities outside of just doing what you do well, you have to bring the team together. You have to be engaged on defense every possession. You may have to get other people involved. So it's helping Shea a lot. But I do believe when you have a Kelly Olenek and you have the coaching and you have those other guys that can help these guys mm -hmm. understand, like, this is your role. This is what we need you to do to win. And I think Shea is he's figuring that out. And you talk about his cousin, Nikhil, I think this is going to help Shea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I talked to DeMar DeRozan when he was with the Raptors, and he said his time playing with Team USA, the select team, mm -hmm. it helped them so much to become a better professional, a better player, mm -hmm. being around greatness, being around the Kobe's and LeBron's on that level. So I think all of these things are great opportunities. But to your point, it does make it cleaner. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah. I would, I would, like I, would I would much rather muddy if, if Jamal Murray <laughs> yeah. was there. I think we all would. And I want to keep it to Canada, but just you hearing talking about the USA team and how guys are able to take leaps. I mean, I know we've been focused on Canada, but Anthony Edwards, you know, this isn't shocking anyone. He's mm -hmm. the first overall pick. We know what he's capable of, but this is a tale as old as time. Mm -hmm. The guy with his place in the league, kind of ready to take that next step, gets to be this guy on an American team. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but look out NBA for Anthony Edwards next season it feels like oh uh, no for sure I, I i thought minnesota is gonna be much better last year because just mm -hmm. because of him but he has the two elements that you love in a young player he has the confidence but he has the respect yeah he has confidence in himself but you he saw has the quote uh from steve kerr when he was say when kerr went up to him saying you know dwayne wade came off yeah. the bench for kobe yeah. oh, that's great kobe's not here <laughs> kobe's not yeah. here yeah so <laughs> it's that's what you want and he has the work ethic and more mm -hmm. importantly i think he, he has an attitude where people want to be around him yeah. and want to play with him so He's one of those guys that you have to look out for, and the respect is there, but he'll continue to get better and better. Are you seeing anything in, in Zach Eady in a, in a similar sense? Like, uh, will he have an opportunity to have a bit of a breakout as well? Like, he's been, yeah. you know, the, player of the, the year. player of the year. He's a Canadian kid that we're excited to watch, but, you know, 
there's a lot of expectation for him as well. Is there that path? Is there are you seeing a clearer path now with his opportunity to play? Yeah, I mean it's always a growing a growing experience for you mm-hmm. when you're in this position. It reminds me a lot going back to mm-hmm. this is where I saw in 1992 Christian Leitner. Yeah, when he was right. Duke coming out yeah. and he was playing with the Dream Team and. He didn't really play, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that experience being around those guys and everything like that. So he's going to get an opportunity. It continues to get an opportunity, but more important, I think, once again, it's his experience. Yeah. He's showing things. When he catches the ball, he's a big body. He finishes. He has great hands and all of the things that you and, – and the beautiful thing, you don't have – right now you don't have to worry about anything other than today yeah. in mm-hmm. this tournament. So he's getting a lot of experience, and I, I like him. I like I like his attitude, and I like what he what he brings to the team. I think his teammates about. probably like him more than the Dream Team guys like Leitner. You think? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I didn't hear so, so many great things. Yeah. Kind of like, who's this kid? Get the bags, kid. So, so yeah. We're chatting with Alvin Williams in studio. So Canada is about to start um, what's the next part of this tournament. Uh, some important basketball starts with Brazil. So how do they match up against Brazil? A bit of a different opponent uh, with some bigger names um, and obviously bigger stakes. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just about Canada. Mm-hmm. Is how they come out. You know, it's, it's going to be a different game than Latvia. Latvia is more of a running gun, a lot of body movement, ball movement, and they come out shooting the ball. They love to shoot the three. Brazil, they're the same style, not the same style of play, but they have body movement. They have a guard and Yago Santos. He's he's very good. He mm-hmm. he can score the basketball, but he's a smaller guy. And Canada guards are bigger. But to me, it's all about Canada sticking to the script defensively. They um just have to be dialed in. And they have to do what they do. They force teams into turnovers, and they rebound the ball. And once they do those two things, they get out in transition. And from what it looks like these past three games, you get shade to that third mm-hmm. quarter. He's going to take over. And, and, you know, the whole team, they, they just pick up defensively. The, the third quarter points of margin that they, that they have against their opponents is something big. So that halftime speech or that adjustment is really huge going into the third. Yeah, it's been a it's been monumental what they've been able to do in the back half of of these games. Uh, let's let's dream for a sec. Let's say whether it's in the semis or who knows a final Canada against the United States. America's going to be favored, but how would this Canada team stack up? I mean, they have two, three guys who can defend at an elite elite level in in Brooks and Walker and, and Dort. There, obviously, we know what Shea is capable of. How do you think Canada would stack up against they, the States? They're going to stack up well. Yeah, you know, and the biggest thing is they're familiar with each other. So it's not going to be many surprises. It's going to be about or intimidation, who, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I think that word is that's an overrated word when you come to these guys at this level. Yeah. They're, they're not going to be intimidated. They, they're, they're going to invite it. I don't care if it's Jordan playing. I don't care if it's Ivy <laughs> Coast. You know, it's, 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 it's. I get a chance if I'm playing against a Shea or I'm playing against a Jalen Brunson mm-hmm. or Anthony Edwards. I can't. This is what I've been waiting for. This is my opportunity. So. With those two teams, the challenge, they're going to be familiar with each other. So it's going to be like a boxing match. How do we, you know, figure each other out? We might fill each other out and then, you know, make our adjustments. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And it's going to be coaching. You know, mm-hmm. you look at that staff, mm-hmm. the USA staff, they have coaching. And they have guys that have coached on the international level. And Jordy's a young coach. But yeah. He has players that's buying in and believing, so it's going to be interesting. I was going to ask you about Jordy because there's obviously been a lot of hype around him. He was rumored to be in the Raptors discussion as well, and he's kind of proving why he's been given a lot of opportunity or been circled around some opportunity, pushing the right buttons. You see him in the huddle. Like, you guys want to finish first? Like, he knows how to push those buttons. You hear him in the huddle, too. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys got the, the mute button ready, too. Um, I just think it's been maybe an, a reinvigoration for this team. Not that Nick Nurse wasn't the right coach, but you kind of start fresh. You start with a new voice. You start with a new 
new identity. Um, have you been really impressed or did you kind of expect this level of uh, buy-in and this level of, of fierceness from him? I had no clue mm-hmm. about his coaching style or his personality. I got a chance to talk to Jay Triano, who coaches with him in Sacramento. And Jay, one thing said, he's going to do the right thing. Nice. He's going to hold people accountable. He's a guy that he's a defensive guy as well. So he's somebody that I, I love. Once again, it's that college feel. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, it's not that I don't care about your feelings, yep. but at this moment, it doesn't matter. I don't, it doesn't matter. So I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. And I'm going to tell you how I need to tell you to get the result out of you. So I'm very impressed. But like I mentioned, those third quarters are very impressive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you see teams start out slow in the third quarter or after time, after halftime. And what he's doing in that locker room with that team and everyone in there. He's make, he's he's very impressive from that point that point of stance. Well, hopefully they keep it rolling today, and we'll let you go because I know you're on TV in about Am I? forty minutes. Oh, so you gotta go do your hair. It's uh, a good joke. You know, no, I mean, it's, I'm glad we're on radio. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Terrible. No, no, go say hi to Dan. Hit for the boo button. Oh, okay. He got to he got to do his hair too. Yeah, yeah. you guys are looking yeah, good. Do our hair. We do appreciate Get the buffer you out in down here. there in the makeup room. Say hi to Dan. You guys have been doing a great job, and we appreciate it. And best of luck for the rest of tomorrow. Hopefully, there's lots of good games coming up. Hopefully, lots lots more of you guys. Hopefully, no doubt. That was Alvin Williams. That was a good joke. That was a good one. You got me. I was sweating. I'm like, we don't know each other that well, but you got to push the button sometimes. Yeah, to try. Appreciate it very much. Yep. You can well just press your little button there. Oh, you're all set. Uh, that was Alvin Williams in studio, former NBA guard and current sports set color analyst. Thanks again for coming in. Uh, Canada against Brazil in about 30, 40 minutes from now. Um, you can catch that on Sportsnet. Now, before we do the wake and rake, I guess you could let you finish your promo. No, no, no. I was just going to say, uh, yeah, 9.30 a.m. on Sportsnet. You'll see coverage in about 10 minutes. Uh, that'll be at 9 a.m. with Danielle Michaud, Sherman, Hamilton, and Michael Grange on the panel. I don't know if you peep the wrist, but you could have snapped a pick and told a rash that was the model of yes, Rolex you wanted. That, that thing nice. was gleaming yeah. in here. Everyone's looking good. His face, when I made that joke, I was like, is he going to punch me? And he laughed, though. We're all good. Alvin Williams, the, a beauty. I think that was being polite, I think, his... <laughs> his if somebody tells you a full minute later, no, that was a good joke. I don't think it means they liked it, but we're we survived. You we're, know what? We're having fun. Shulman loves you. He's going to put yeah, in yeah. the good word. We're, it's all good. Uh, we're 10 minutes away from the long weekend, so let's Boy, wrap this we. up with a wake and rake. Wake up! Now it's time for wake and rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. All right, all eyes ahead. Uh, Canada, 9.30. And then you also have the Blue Jays kicking off their three-game series against the Rockies. And that's at 8.40 p.m. Hunjin Ryu gets the mound. Uh, 8.40 tonight, 8.10 tomorrow, and 3.10 on Sunday. So get your viewing set up for success. Um, I think we're both going for the Blue Jays game Mm -hmm. for our picks. I mean, why not? We missed them yesterday. Uh, We did hit the wake and rake, so that's exciting. We're going to keep rolling on that. But you might be going against the conversation that happens in Colorado. Yeah, Vegas apparently has never watched these Blue Jays play a game. The over-under is set at 12 and a half. (laughs) I know it's Coors Field. I know Mm -hmm. it is the worst of the Blue Jays starters, who's still totally fine in Hyunjin Ryu. Mm -hmm. But 12 and a half for this team and a bad Rockies team? Oh, yes, give me the under. The Jays could go put up nine and still hit the under in that game. Give it to me. I can't. That feels like stealing money. Um, You are not alone in that. A lot of text support for that. Uh, So we'll lock that in as your pick under 12 and a half. And I'm just going Jays on the run line. They got to start this series hot. They got a day off before this. We know the stretch of nine games 
games or uh, three series in a row are extremely important. We're saying nine and oh, seven and two as the the bare minimum. Um, so Blue Jays on the run line, uh, it, their money line is minus one ninety five. So I can't wholeheartedly put that one in there. Yeah. So we'll do run line. I expect big things from these Blue Jays. Um, well, let's go through some anchor picks. Eric Big E in Burlington went three for three yesterday. Let's keep it going. Today, I like Michigan State minus 14 and a half against Central Michigan in NCAA football. Big Michigan matchup there. Um, he also likes Rays minus one and a half against the Guardians and Jays and Rockies under 12 and a half. There you go. It's great. There's pick. your support. Um, Jeff and Barry says, I'm loving Dylan the villain over 11 and a half points and assists today. Should have it handled by halftime, which is good because Canada may clear the bench for the second half. I kind of like the idea I of putting that like in that. there. I do like but that. But since it's 930, I feel like some yeah. People yeah, miss it on the totally, pod, but totally. you, why don't we just, you should, in our heart, you should bet go bet that, that I love it. Dylan the villain. Um, good morning. It's Corey from Port Hope here. UCF with a very dominant performance. Yeah, it was absolutely uh, like 56 to six um, covering the first half spread and the full ga- game spread, basically sweat free for my wake and rake pick today. I like the Jays and Rockies under 12 and a half total runs. I think the Rockies will struggle to score against Ryu and a very rested blue Jays bullpen. See, we're all on the same page. Everybody loves it. Uh, final one here. Brandon from Keswick went two and one yesterday. Today we'll go three and oh, I'm liking Ray's mining line Astros mining minus one and a half and Georgia tech plus seven and a half. We got hmm. some college football specialists. Sickos is all, all that that means. It did I, work yesterday. It though. did. Yeah. Go back to the well, if it worked. Okay. So we see some po- support for raise twice. We're seeing raise minus one and a half. And we're also seeing raise money line. Uh, we're seeing Astros minus one and a half and Georgia tech and Michigan picks. Two Where do people, you go? two people like the Rays. So let's just go raise on the okay. money line. And that feels safe. And that feels like it's a consensus pick. And also I'd like to, I'd like to just let it be known. There's been a battle brewing on the text line about who is the true Eric in Burlington. There's Eric big E who texted in today. Did not get a text there from is no Eric in Burlington capital, capital, all capitals, the Eric in Burlington, like it's the Ohio wow, State wow, University. Wow. So I think Big E is the official Eric of Burlington. Eric I think. has one minute to get his phone get it and in. send a message or else you've been um, dethroned. And dethroned. Eric Big E with a K. Is he, he's say, also Eric with a K. Yeah, and say hi to me if you uh, if you see me in Burlington, Eric. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, so you want to do raise money line yeah. minus 180? Yeah, why not? Oh, okay, we'll do it. Um, Blue Jays on the run line. That's why we can blame the Texas. That's true. Yeah, we can. Yeah, that's a good idea. Blue Jays on the run line and under 12 and a half total runs. And then we've got Tampa Bay Rays on the money line. That's plus 446 today. Um, start your long weekend on a With winning a note. With a payday. On a winning note. Um, okay, so Blue Jays back tonight. As we said, 840 is first pitch. And then in about seven minutes, you can turn on Sportsnet mm-hmm. and see our panel kicking off um, pregame coverage before the 930 a.m. tip-off against Brazil. I can't wait. I am so excited for this game. Really, really jacked up for Spain on mm-hmm. Sunday. Obviously, they're both massive. Take care of business. Just continue to win. I want everyone to get as sucked into this team in this tournament as I have been. It's an exciting time for Canada basketball. Big win coming today. Call them my shot. Yes, and Sunday morning also at 930. Yes. So good timing to watch some Perfect. Basketball. And good week this week, Gunnar. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Always Three love being lovely on. shows. It was. We both have Monday off. We do. And then I've got Jesse Rubin off with me for the rest of the week because uh, Justin's still on vacation. He may never come back. Who I, knows? I hope he does, um, but he seems to be loving Portugal. He sent me a photo yesterday of a hot dog stand mm. in Portugal. No, it wasn't. Mm. It was a photo of an octopus hot oh, dog. Okay. And I said, 
I know that that's my brand, but don't ever send me something like this again. Heard octopus could be chewy, so. It looks absolutely revolting, so. Do with that what you will. You have some grill guy moments this weekend, but maybe not in any octopus. Uh, thanks for listening this week. Everybody have a happy long weekend, and I'll be back Tuesday.